podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome everybody to our Monday night Euro Review show. This is the Anglo Italian Pod, and as always, I'm Tomas, and you can find us on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. And I'm Rory. You can find us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod. It feels good to be live. I've been looking forward to doing this show. It's been a good weekend of football. Tommy, how has your weekend been? It's been a it's been a very good week and a very good weekend. Our latest episode, episode forty four, with an exclusive interview to professional footballer Millie Chandarana, was a success. It's already in our top ten most downloaded episodes of all time, and we're super thankful to Millie for giving us her time and uh, really for a beautiful interview about the life of an athlete and women's football. Yeah, it was really interesting. I'm glad it went down really well. People seem to enjoy it. And as I said on last week's episode, I'm really looking forward to going and seeing a game in San Marino. It's another country I can tick off the list, right? <laughs> I just realized it's like another tick done. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully get to see you in Serie A. So fingers crossed for the rest of the season, right? Big games yeah. coming up. But I'm glad people enjoyed the episode. Really interesting interview. Just really quickly, I messed up the calendar for the Serie A team vision and the game that Milly was mentioning, the relegation battle against Napoli. Of course, it wasn't this weekend, but it's going to be next weekend. So remember, on Saturday around noon, we will let you know on our Friday episode at what time the game is. But hopefully you can catch the game and support San Marino with us, it's also very exciting because the big scary scare of the Super League is now behind us and we can solely focus on actual football. How good does that feel, Rory? It feels pretty good, except the fact that I have to focus on Arsenal, but focusing on the rest of football rather than being angry at Arsenal off the pitch. Now I'm angry at fo- Arsenal on the pitch again. So, you know, some things never change, but it is good to be able to talk about the sport we love and not the admin behind the sport we love, right? Exactly. And also, there might be some exciting news coming your way from the Anglo-Italian pod, but we that's it. That's as much as we are going to say about that, since we might as well have jinxed once and for all already a beautiful fairy tale this season. <laughs> and of course... I'm I think thinking- we jinxed a few. I don't want to jinx <laughs> our own, Tommy. So we're not going to say anything else. We're just going to say... We're pretty excited. We're pretty yeah. excited. There might be there might be some very exciting news coming your way. But today, on a Monday night, as as a few games are unfolding before our eyes, Leicester are taking on Crystal Palace. Current score, nil-nil. Eibar in Spain are playing Real Sociedad, nil-nil after four minutes. This afternoon, Torino played Napoli, and Napoli won the game 2-0 in a very emphatic Champions League push. Osimhen scoring again. I knew he would arrive at some point, and when he arrived, he's not stopped scoring since he's come back in the team. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's quite something, and uh, I, I, I always thought that it was just like a time bomb because the season that he had last year at Lille, mm. that couldn't be a coincidence. We were all just waiting for him to turn up. But the most exciting game that is being played right now, <laughs> and it's Lazio-Milan, and it's already 1-0 after 18 minutes, but the goal was scored on the second minute by Correa, which means 
absolute madness in Serie A for the Champions League push. If AC Milan win this game, Juventus will find themselves in Europa League zone. And if AC Milan lose this game, they will find themselves in the brown competition, brown European competition. <laughs> well, it looks like your twin, your twin team, your Jamel Lee, is doing you a favor as well, right? By beating them. Could be speeding up the old Scudetto party, potentially. Not to jinx it, may have just jinxed it. Maybe. No, I think it's <laughs> it's almost unjinxable. Only if no, we mate, that's definitely a jinx. <laughs> almost unjinxable. But Rory, <laughs> where shall we start from? I feel like we should start from France. There were quite France. some exciting fixtures this weekend. What a weekend in France. So the title race shows no sign of boring up as the top three teams are now separated by two points but Leon have found themselves six points off top spot and all of a sudden out of the title race so four become three how did this happen I hear you ask Tommy well the game that we talked about was at nine o'clock last night and it was Leon hosting Lille and the host started off very well, 2-0 up, goal from uh, Awa, the future Arsenal man, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and the second goal, uh, the person escapes me now, I can't remember who scored it. But anyway, they were 2-0 up, and Lille managed to claw it back to 3-2 with that man and the Turkey guy, we've talked five, thirty-six years old having a hell of a season as he gets two goals and an assist to put the dogs back on top. This dog had its day. I'm trying to find a pun. I kind of worked. <laughs> but Leo looked, honestly, they looked so determined. And Leon, the second Leo got their first one, Leon just shat themselves. And you could see the game just collapsed. Paqueta gave away a goal for the, gave away the back pass, like a terrible back pass um, for the equalizer, I think it was. And then the winner, Yilmaz, goes absolutely mental. Like, this game was just... And the thing is, obviously, it's 3-2, so it sounds like it was a shootout and it was a lively game, but it was honestly end-to-end madness. Um, Anthony Lopez in goals for Leon made a few unbelievable saves. It could have been much more comfortable for Lille. But talking about goalkeepers, Lille goalkeeper is now joining AC Milan. It's been confirmed. Maignan, Maignan, right? is moving for 15 million in the summer. Tommy, where is Donnarumma, or Dollarumma, as they're calling him, where is he going? They have been calling him that for quite some time. Dollarumma, <laughs> man, I want to think he's going to Juventus, um, which could sound, once again, like a, a rushed Juventus move, um, like they often do. I don't really know, um, because if I were PSG... Maybe I could be thinking about Don Donnarumma for the future, but at the same time, I've got Kaylor Navas in goal. Why would I be replacing him? Well, he's kind of old, but he's still very capable. Um, I think, uh, I, I feel like the strategy that Donnarumma is adopting is to wait. I mean, Mino Raiola is adopting his agent is to wait until the end of the season to see whether AC Milan will be in the Europa League or not before renewing the contract. But however, there are still they're still in talks about the contract renewal. So I think it was a smart move from AC Milan to kind of, you know, we have a keeper for next season, regardless from Dornaruma. But um uh, yeah, there are That'd increasing be pretty uh, shitty of him to go to Juve though, no? 
Yeah, but his uh, the his situation is very well known in Italy. He basically his life is ruled by his family. He lives with his parents like literally next door and uh, his family are like his agents and uh, they've been uh, criticized before because they seem to only be thinking about the money that they might be getting, but um uh, yeah, it might be a shitty move, but I don't think Donnarumma would be ashamed to make it. Yeah. Well, this might open, interestingly, Arsenal spin, as always, might open the door for Chesney to come back to Arsenal, the rumours are, which I would absolutely love. Bring him back. You can smoke 20 tabs a day. I don't care. You (laughs) do not throw the ball into the back of the net quite like Leno did this weekend. But before we get sidetracked by Serie A and the Premier League, let's stick with France. So all those results, or that result, keeps Lille on top with 73. PSG stayed one point behind after they beat Mets 3-1 in Mets. Kylian Mbappe getting two goals again. He now has 222 goal involvements in 227 games in Liga. Just, I think we spend a lot of time talking about how Haaland's stats are like mind-blowing. We don't spend enough time talking about how mind-blowing Kylian Mbappe stats are, I don't think. Yeah, and the fact that he's already won a World Cup, that is beyond me. And, yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. We do forget that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is beyond me. And he's been really, ever since he came out, he came through at, uh, at Monaco that season where there was that incredible Monaco-Manchester City mm-hmm. um, fixture. Ever since then, he's never really had a, a low year, a, a bad year, really. He's always been delivering, and he's been... He's been everything and even more than PSG fans wanted him to be. So, yeah, Mbappé doesn't seem to stop scoring, doesn't seem to stop assisting, doesn't seem to stop to be the beacon for PSG. And he did pick up a thigh injury against the Mets, but Pochettino says he's confident he's going to recover before this Wednesday's clash versus Man City, which we'll cover towards the end of the episode, but PSG were not the only ones to pick up a crucial win in Ligon as Monaco, do you agree, the the true revelation of this year's Ligon, pick up another win with another goal by Ben Yedda. Ben Yedda cannot stop scoring goals. He now has 19 goals and 7 assists in 29 games in all competitions for the Monacans this season. He's absolutely killing it. And someone I always forget is playing there. Fabregas is like finally fit playing for them. Could he add a Liga and title to his collection, making it La Liga, Premier League and Liga? Like this guy, obviously we all know he's won everything Fabregas. But I feel like that league and medal would really add a little, little yeah, yeah, gold yeah. dust on that on that collection. That's nice getting three different countries' medals. I think Monaco are definitely in with a shout. I think the fact that people are kind of ignoring them is going to go in their favor, right? P- everyone's looking at PSG and Lille. Lille, we need to see how mentally determined they are. To be honest, last night they looked very bloody determined. <laughs> they definitely want it. But I feel like Monaco are kind of the dark horse that no one's looking at. We're going to be talking about a similar one in another country, <clears throat> Sevilla, but Monaco definitely going under the radar and be profi. Always there or thereabouts. Chris has just told us that Palace have gone 1-0 up against Leicester. Wilfred Zaha, I thought Palace were already on the beach. It looks like they're not quite there yet. There's still a bit of fight in them yet. 
Of course it was Zaha who, Zaha who scored. No one else scores for them. And also, Rory, we shall tell our listeners but that next weekend on Sunday, we've got Monaco Lyon. And that is going to be another exciting match to decide the, the faith of, the fate of Ligue 1, I believe. Well, quickly before we move on to France, because we need to keep this Euroview a bit snappy. Um, the team that is going to keep, that's going to have the biggest say in the title race is a team we've mentioned a few times, RC Lons. Now they are facing, so they are playing PSG at home next. Then they play Lille away after that. And then their last game of the season is Monaco at home. So they are playing all three of the teams who are currently fighting for the title. Lons are going to have a big say in this title race. And as we know, they're having a great season. They still find themselves in fifth. Their first season back in Ligue 1 and their fifth, they could be comfortably qualifying for the Europa League as things stand. What a season. And I'm really excited to see how they affect this um affect this title race. Honestly, when I was looking at the fixtures and saw that they all played Lons, I was like, oh, this is spicy. This is great. This is what you want to see. Also because they're only Lons are currently only one point above Marseille, which means that they are into the preliminary phase of the Europa League for next year. But if they want to make that dream come true, they need to pick up a few more wins before the end of the season. So it is all to play for, but at the other end of the table, unfortunately, Dijon were the first team to be relegated. They lost 5-1 to Ron, who were inspired by Camavinga. Lots of people talking about Camavinga at the moment. He's entering the last two years of his contract, so all the clubs are starting to sniff around him now. But he absolutely ran the game, and unfortunately, Dijon, we will hopefully see you back soon, but enjoy life in League 2. <laughs> Tommy, should we go to La Liga? Let's go to La Liga, where currently the picture says Atletico Madrid first, 73. Real Madrid second, 71. Barcelona third, 71. Sevilla fourth, 70. Let's start from Sevilla. Sevilla out of nowhere? Eh, not really, because in their last Eight La Liga games, they have won seven and drawn only one. They haven't lost a single game since, uh, I believe, the beginning of March. Now, they are officially, after this game, they needed one point in the game versus Granada to have a guaranteed spot in the in next year's um, Champions League. They do, because they defeated Granada 2-1. And all of a sudden, they could be title contenders. Um, they won thanks to a penalty obtained by Papu Gomez, who was super lively in this game. Rakitic slotted it home, made it 1-0 from the penalty spot after 16 minutes. De Jong almost, almost, almost made it 2-0. But then it was Papu Gomez, once again, assisted assisting Ocampos for an emphatic 2-0 and at the death of the 90th of the 90 minutes Roberto Soldado for Granada made it 2-1 but Sevilla they are in the UCL next year and also they are right there they are only three points behind Atletico Madrid at this moment Atletico we have Madrid. had a request to not mention their name we're not allowed to mention Atletico Madrid we'll say Sorry. the other Madrid team the other the, Madrid okay, team. the yeah, the other Madrid team. I'm so <laughs> sorry, Luke. Man, we've been jinxing it since the beginning <laughs> of the season. Um, the other Madrid team lost against Athletic Club, 
And Athletic Club now have six points versus Atletico Madrid this season. They've won both fixtures, but this time around, nobody really saw it coming because they hadn't won in six games before this match. Now, Suarez, Lamar, and Felix, they were back from injury, but they all started from the bench. But right away, it looked like a very difficult Sunday for Atletico Madrid. At the ninth minute, former Torino man Berenguer made it 1-0 for the hosts. In the second half, Llorente and Carrasco both missed the chances. Uh, Diego Simeone tried it all. He made a triple sub playing exactly Suarez, Lamar, and Felix. They managed to equalize thanks to Savic, who scored with a header from a, crick, uh, from a free kick. I can't speak English tonight. And it was, his first, it was his first La Liga goal in almost four years. But then at the 86th minute, a very powerful header from Martinez from a corner kick secured the three points for Athletic Club, and that means that Athletic, uh, sorry, the other Madrid team have only won two games in their last five. Real Madrid, at the same time, dropped points against Betis. They couldn't go beyond a nil-nil draw, which is a result that we will see when we do the Champions League preview. They have been quite accustomed to recently. There was a spectacular crossbar, I believe involuntary, from Rodrigo in the first half. Mm -hmm. Borja Iglesias for Betis missed a huge chance face-to-face with Courtois. But at the end of the day, Real Madrid just dropped crucial points in the title race because had they won this game, they would be top of the league right now. But talking about Real Madrid, Rory, a quick stat. Since we've mentioned his name and he's a regular listener, Tony Kroos, right? Since joining Real Madrid in 2014, he has always had a pass accuracy of over 92% during the season. Thanks to our friends, the Total Screamers podcast, for this insane stat about the German player. That is mental. Absolutely efficient. German efficiency, other stereotypes, machine-like. I don't know. But what a player. What an absolute, what a player. Lack of personality, but a great player. (laughs) You you have have some problems with Tony Kroos. I have problems with him because he... He's he's the kind of like old man yells at Cloud when he complained about Aubameyang over celebrating, but he is obviously an incredible player. I think he people noticed him in the two thousand and sixteen no two thousand fourteen World Cup, obviously when when Germany won it, and then I think people kind of forgot him when he went to Madrid, and then now people are starting to re realize just how good the guy is. Um, he seems like to be getting a lot of headlines this season because he's having a particularly good season, but. In La Liga, I think, is it advantage Barcelona? Are we now jinxing Barcelona? Is it advantage it, Barcelona? It is advantage advantage Barcelona, but I just was thinking of this quote that I didn't uh, quite pin on my Instagram feed. But it was, uh, I believe, I believe Valverde, the, midf- the Uruguayan midfielder from uh, Real Madrid, saying that Modric, I, he was really like, he made me think for a second, we don't think that much about Modric, Casemiro, and Kroos, that midfield. He mm. was just like, as a midfielder, I couldn't have landed in a better club where to learn from absolute legends because these three guys have won it all. They know exactly what they're doing and they're among the three. I feel like 
the three of them really complete each other. Like Casemiro possibly is the least pretty of them yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. together with them, he does the job that he needs to do and it looks it, they make it look pretty too. It is weird how nobody really talks about them, eh? Is it because none of them really stand out or take the headlines? None of them really... I don't well, know. It's, it is because, weird. The, because there was that weird dude called Cristiano Ronaldo that was taking yeah, all true. of the headlines when he was at Real Madrid. Rightfully so, but true. very often we forgot of all the other people that were there besides him and Sergio Ramos. So, very yeah. true. Okay, but where yeah. next in Spain? Let's go. Advantage Barcelona, indeed, because Barcelona on Wednesday, they're going to play their game in hand away at sorry I, I wrote their game in hand away at home versus Granada <laughs> no it's a game in hand that they're going to play at home versus Granada and if they win they could go top of the league one point above Atletico because this weekend they did indeed beat Villarreal 2-1 uh, number one Villarreal have a beautiful name for their stadium La Ceramica, the ceramics. Yeah, it's. Uh, I believe the city is famous for its pottery, its ceramics. Ooh. I'm almost certain. They also have one of the greatest nicknames in um, football with Los Amorios Submarinos, the Yellow oh, Submarines. Los, yeah, the Yellow Submarines, Los Submarinos. Yeah, which is Amarillo. a really fucking cool nickname. But we'll be talking about Villarreal later. So, yeah. Barcelona. Yeah, Barcelona. No, in this game against um, Barcelona, there was a brilliant save. Go check it out. This was insane. A brilliant save from Villarreal's goalkeeper Asenjo on the line, on the Young's shot. Really one of those almost impossible saves. He managed to, to save it. Remember the Young missing because it's kind of a Phil Rouge, a light motive mm -hmm. of this game. Jordi Alba slips right after on Villarreal's only true opportunity in the first half. And Samuel, Samuel Chukweze, I apologize about the pronunciation of the name, buddy, made it 1-0. But then Mingesa, we've talked about this player already. Mm -hmm. Could it be another Bar Cantera legend? I don't know. But the pass to Antoine Griezmann for the first goal from Barcelona is absolutely beautiful. The only thing that is prettier than that is Griezmann's finish. As cool as you like, give it a lob and beautiful goal. Man, that really reminded me of, of uh, Antoine Griezmann when he played for Real Sociedad because he had a ton, a ton of those lobs. Wow, my yeah. English today. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but they make it 1-1 and then for, for, you'll be happy to know about this, Rory, former Spurs legend Juan Foyth makes a terrible back pass. And of course he does. And Le Petit Diable, Antoine Griezmann, just has to shoot as, power, as powerful as he can to the second post and make it 2-1. Horrible red card for Villarreal Strigueros with an awful tackle on Messi's ankle. And then once again, De Jong has a beautiful opportunity to make it 3-0 on a Dembele's pass, but he's not exactly clinical in front of goal. And there, I would love to speak Dutch because there was the camera just filmed Ronald Koeman just screaming something in Dutch towards him, and it sounded absolutely awful. But besides that's just Dutch. Dutch just sounds awful. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's not a pretty language. It's a lot of there is a lot of that sound, and then grillege this like weird thing grillen. But um, uh, besides lost, Barcelona's game in hand. Rory, I think you might have a 
I think you might have a small connection problem. You've frozen already for the third time. Stop freezing, Rory. Stop I'm going gonna to tell the girlfriend to stop watching Amazon Prime and go to Italian TV. <laughs> <laughs> but this said, we are going to go to the relegation zone very soon. But I'm already telling you right now, on May 8th, we've got Barcelona, Atletico Madrid. And on May 9th, Real Madrid. Sevilla. So that could be the decisive weekend in La Liga. As for the relegation zone, Valencia draw 1-1 to Alaves. They're now seven points above relegation with five games to go, but they have three draws and two losses in their last five. And Eze Bar and Huesca drop points. Elche grab a win versus Levante, and they are currently one point over the drop zone. So good luck to all these teams in the red zone of La Liga. And remember, May 8th, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, and May 9th, Real Madrid, Sevilla. Now, of course, we're supporting the other team from Madrid, but if Mm -hmm. Sevilla were to win this title, that would be huge. Absolutely huge. Can you imagine Papu Gomez joins in January and then lifts the trophy in May? That would be insane, right? But maybe we've just jinxed Sevilla there now as well. There Um, we go. (laughs) But all to see, plenty of dark horses around Europe. You know, people call them the Farmers Leagues. Well, they've got much better title races than both the countries we're talking about at the moment, unfortunately. But we're going to go to another title race, which is almost, almost, almost over. But there's one more week in it because we're in Germany and Mainz beat beat Bayern Munich 2-1 as it stunned everyone except people who've been watching Mainz since January. So they have brought in their new manager. His name, we mentioned him last episode, I believe. His name is Bo Svensson. He's one of my, I love that name. But anyway, he was a player who used to play for Mainz. And people will remember that Mainz have had two key standout managers and these are Jurgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel and this uh Bo Svensson played under both of them one year under Klopp and six years under Tuchel and since he's come in in January he they have taken 27 points from the 13 games that they've played only Bayern Munich Frankfurt and Wolfsburg have taken more right when he took over in January they had seven points and were eight points away from safety Okay, now they find themselves in, they are, ah, where is it? Damn it. They are in, (laughs) I thought I clicked that already. They are in um, 12th place and are a massive five points ahead of the relegation zone, now on 34 points. Their upturning form has been insane. And he is quickly, despite only being there half a season, getting his name in the hat for manager of the year, which is mental. But you say for the job he's done, he has to be in there. Now, of course, Bayern, they have four games to get three points to win the league. So I think they were a little bit taking their foot off the gas. We were surprised they didn't win as Lewandowski was back and back to full fitness. So people were expecting him to get on the score sheet. But he did get on the score sheet, but it wasn't enough. Mainz won 2-1 and it extends the title race for a week, right? We know, we basically know where it's going. But a great result for Mainz and the celebrations on the pitch were incredible. Bo Svensson, keep doing your thing. He could be the next manager coming out of the Bundesliga that all the teams are looking at. But while we're talking about Bayern, 
we need to talk about Bayern and the fact that they have now, I think it's been confirmed today, they have taken and poached like they do the best in Bundesliga poaching the talent. They have taken Nagelsmann or are taking Nagelsmann from RB Leipzig to kill off any attempt of competition within that league. Now, the interesting thing is they are paying a record fee for a manager, a reported 30 million euros to take Nagelsmann out of Leipzig. It's crazy, right? Wow. If, man, you're basically giving your direct competitors 30 million for next season, that's kind of insane, right? It is crazy. It's crazy. And like, I think the record before that was maybe Mourinho from Inter to Real, I think was the record. And this is above the record by some bit. Now, look, we can do a whole episode on how Bayern just kill off competition, like consistently in the Bundesliga. I now understand why fans in Germany must fucking despise them because just that's what they do. They just steal anybody who with any bit of promise in that league and just they're ours now and we're going to win the league again. But look, it is what it is. We're kind of running out of time weirdly, so I don't want to spend too much time in Germany. But the big story is Nagelsmann is apparently subject to the record fee by all accounts is going to be RB Leipzig manager next year. And yes, Chris, there are going to be, um, there's going to be a mad merry-go-round of managers in Germany next year. We already know that the uh, Frankfurt manager is set to join Borussia Mönchengladbach and there'll be a big knockdown of this, of who's going to end up where we will. I think your missus. Am I freezing again? Yeah, your missus hasn't, hasn't definitely stopped watching Amazon Prime, but um, it's all good. No, well, one stressing thing, me out. It's making me sweat. No, one thing I want to tell you is uh, that I do believe that this summer there is going to be a massive merry-go-round of managers, uh, starting from Juventus, Roma, Napoli, uh, all, Spurs. Z- Zidane is set to leave, apparently, Real Madrid, Spurs, and all that. So I think it's going to be really a continental merry-go-round. But talking about managers and Bayern Munich really stealing any talent that there is in the Bundesliga, even more praise goes to Jurgen Klopp. I am sure that he was offered the Bayern job at some point. Oh, he refused yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So huge, huge praise to Jurgen. That's a massive shout. That's a massive shout. Yeah, he was definitely, definitely offered that job. But elsewhere in Germany, um, Haaland is back. If he ever left, he scored two as Dortmund beat Wolfsburg 2-0 in Wolfsburg. Bellingham sent off the second youngest player in history, in Bundesliga history, to be sent off. Fairly stupid tackle. Was definitely a red card. Um, That now puts Dortmund one point behind Frankfurt, and they are still, they could still qualify for the Champions League. Down at the bottom... Köln won 3-2 against Augsburg. Is the ghost of Henners the Goat reviving their survival push? All of a sudden, they've, they've got two wins in a row after not winning in nine before the sad passing of our four-legged friend. So maybe his spirit is pushing them on to survive in the Bundesliga. That is everything for the Bundesliga this week. I think I'm keen to talk about Serie A. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, the ghost of the goat. I like that. I like that. I like that. So, Serie A, as we are speaking, Lazio went up 
2-0, but their second goal was ruled offside by VAR. So we're still 1-0 at halftime. Earlier on, as I said, Napoli won 2-0 against Torino, thanks to Bakayoko and Dozyman, and are currently uh, third in the league in, on even points with Juventus and AC Milan. Once again, crazy Champions League push. Now, the first game of the weekend was Genoa-Spezia, kind of a derby from Liguria. Genoa won 2-0. They're now five points above relegation, while Spezia, they're only two points above. Now, at some point, I believe they were eight points above relegation. They've dropped some. We've talked over and over again about their manager, Vincenzo Italiano, the way they played against Inter Milan. Now, this is a team that I'm not saying they will make it and they will stay in Serie A, but in my opinion, they're a team that deserves to stay up. They've played beautiful football this year. They've caused more than one upset throughout the season. And uh, I do believe that their calendar is not that tricky. They can get a few points before the end of the season. And I'm wishing them to get them because they've really, really impressed me. Now, Sassuolo-Sampdoria was the second game of the weekend. Sixth consecutive win for the Nero Verdi in Serie A. And the Sampdoria sit comfortably at 42 in no man's land. Uh, what's the expression in English, Rory, the idiom to say they're on the beach already? They're on the beach already, yeah. I feel like they're kind of an on-the-beach team, aren't they, Sampdoria? Yeah, and sorry about that. I don't know why he said that uh, this was the sixth consecutive win for the Nero Verdi. It's their actually fourth consecutive win in Serie A. Sorry about that. But then, Roy, the big game, a.k.a. bang for your buck, was Parma-Crotone 3-4. Did you manage to get to get some of the game the other day? Now, I saw some of the highlights. The game I ended up watching was Benevento against Udinese, Udinese, which was a very good game. I really enjoyed that one. But we need to talk about Parma and the fact that they are, they must be value for money team in Serie A if you don't support them, right? There are always so many goals in Parma games. Now, at the beginning of the season, the problem was that they couldn't score goals, right? The problem was they've not got a striker. Then they brought in a few players in January, noticeably Dennis Mann, right? The Romanian player who we talked about in one of our past episodes made a big difference. And the other Romanian player, I can't remember his name now, but they Mihaila. brought some really good... Mihaila, that's him. Yeah. He also scored against Crotone, yeah. Exactly. And they brought in these signings, but now they've got the opposite problem. They can't stop them going in at the back. And it's just resulting in these games that are 4-3. I think there was a 5-4 a couple of weeks ago, maybe. There was a lot of goals down at the Tardini, but it does look like they are not long for this Serie A earth, I think. No, yeah, and I think that both Parma and Crotone at this point, they are doomed for relegation unless something absolutely insane happens. Crotone are last at 18 points, Parma are second to last at 20, and then Benevento are, are 18th with 31 points. So something almost unprecedented, I would have to say, would need well, to happen I, for them to, to stay up. Well, exactly. In, their, in the last four games, Parma have conceded, uh, they lost 3-1 to Milan, 4-3 to Cagliari, 3-1 to Juve, and 4-3 to Crotone. Crotone. That is leaky defense that that is absolutely leaky the best thing about this game is Simi that scores two 
He's got 19 this season. He's even with Muriel and only two behind Lukaku. Now, this is very rare to find like such a prolific goal scorer in a team <laughs> that is about to face relegation. It's absolutely insane. I've read that there are some big clubs behind this guy. Even Inter Milan, apparently, are ready to bid. I think it would be a great, great signing as a backup striker uh, up front for either Lukaku or Lautaro. Um, because this guy, this guy has it in him. And uh, he, this, the, he, his position in the pitch, the effort that he puts in every game is really something huge. Benevento Dinese is the game that Rory watched. Uh, with three losses and two draws in their last five, Benevento are playing a very dangerous game. And they are now in the drop zone. I'm going to make the claim that the three in the bottom are going to be the three that go down. Every time I've seen Benevento, they look worse and worse every time I see them. Um, I think they really they really do look doomed. But we have to say on the same hand, Musso for Udinese made a couple of incredible saves to keep Udinese in the game. So Benevento definitely had their chances, but it just seems whenever I watch them, they look pretty Serie B. I don't know. Yeah, they. I think that Inzaghi was pretty good at just like installing in them a fearless mentality, just go out there and play football. But mm -hmm. they might have forgotten how to defend a little bit because even Benevento, I'm looking right now, they've conceded quite a few goals, like 5-3 versus Lazio, 2-2 versus Genoa, now 2-4 versus Udinese. So yeah, the defense, well, we know that Inzaghi, doesn't think about defense that much, right? When he was a player. <laughs> okay, his, his training is just how to stay on the shoulder. Exactly. And then celebrations. How to celebrate like you've just won the World Cup every game. That, every, that's his training sessions. Every game. But yeah, the, the scary thing for Benevento is also that they have to play among others, AC Milan and Atalanta, both Oof. away. And they haven't oh, won gosh. a game since defeating Juventus on March 21st. And talking about Juventus, Vlaovic in the game against Juventus. Now, okay, Fiorentina-Juventus 1-1. The thing about Vlaovic, besides the fact that he's got already 17 goals and two assists in 32 Serie A games, is that he scored a Totti-like penalty celebrating like Tony. Yes, please. Oh, I saw the... Yeah, the... That's cold, dude. That's fucking cold. And in goal, there is Chesney. He's a good goalkeeper. You don't want to fuck around. And just as cool as you like. Bim, bam. A beautiful lob into the goal. Ercuchiaio and the Tony-like celebration, which was followed, however, by a beautiful, beautiful Morata goal only one minute after being subbed in. I don't believe we have ever seen Morata score such a pretty, pretty goal. Um... But will Juventus make it to the Champions League next season? Because they are in for a crazy-ass week. Between May 9th and 16th, they are going to play in order. Milan at home, Sassuolo away, and Inter at home. And if Inter had a saying in them not playing next year's Champions League, that would be a second Scudetto in one year. Ooh! Mate, nice. how about... 
how about the way results fall, you win the league against Juventus? Oh, man, I know, I know. And we, and by the way, results fall, we win the league at Juventus, and mathematically, they cannot make it into the Champions League. (laughs) That would be, that would be insane. Uh, Unfortunately, we're kind of running out of time, but I just wanted to mention that whoever is sending death threats to Pirlo and his son for Juventus' results, you guys suck, and you just wish you could have a better life i don't know man yeah yeah there there is a deep void in these people of sadness or something missing that just think their lives must be so bloody terrible like for you to sit on your phone as a fully grown adult and rationally send a death threat to a 17 year old child and read it type it out read what you said and go yeah send there is something i'm happy with this message i think there is something wrong with you something hey honey deeply wrong with hey you. honey can i read this this email to you i just texted a 17 year old guy who's nothing to do with my team sucking dick this year and i'm telling him that he should die um we've got i needed to quickly address yeah. this question now would they give in to a guard of honor now tommy i've told you about this in england you were michael <laughs> and you went mental at the idea of this right you were like what the fuck is this as if you have to do this so in italy they don't do guards of honor to the title to the champions right no okay no i think they do but uh, i mean so for example if inter were playing fiorentina fiorentina would give us a guard of honor if juventus were going to win the league and they played in firenze i do not think that fiorentina <laughs> would give them a guard. so it really depends on the combination if inter milan win the league and we go to playing in a uh, terrain i Doubt. I strongly doubt they would give us a guard of honor. Um, but Mate, we man. we we had to do it to Van Persie when he won the title with United the year after leaving us, and it was oh. just disgusting at the Emirates as well. I think. Oh God, oh, it was awful. It was awful. But oh. the three more games that we have to cover are Cagliari, Roma, and man, about Roma, they are really making me sound like a fool after they've said that I actually kind of enjoy the way they play football. They have won only one in their last five versus Bologna. And Cagliari, on the other hand, their third consecutive win, and they're currently out of the drop zone on even points with Benevento and Torino, who, however, have got one game in hand versus Lazio. Beautiful, beautiful play by Nandez, who is a midfielder, Nahita Nandez, Uruguayan, that I really, really like, on the right flank to assist the first goal. A few beautiful saves by Cagliari's second-string goalkeeper, Vicario, and Marin, another Romanian that we talked about mm-hmm. with uh, Emanuele Roshu in, in your interview with him in one of our episodes. A beautiful, beautiful goal on Roma's mistake in defense. And then Joao Pedro had a winner Woo, that really reminded me of, of Drogba in the final against Bayern Munich. Um, nice. But the big question... Well, this, this game completely ruined my accumulator. It was the only game that didn't come in on an eight-game accumulator. Roma cost me roughly £550. I was really not very happy, but I should have done my research. That will teach me I shouldn't back Roma in any game. They're like slowly a list of teams that I don't bet now, and Roma are definitely one of them. You cannot predict them. And that's why they're going to beat United in the semi-final because you cannot predict them. Maybe they will. And then Atalanta-Bologna, 5-0. Um, there was uh, this news that came out last week that Gasperini had uh, a bit of a fight with an inspector from UEFA who was called to do anti-doping uh, uh, tests. 
Now, I'm not, look, I love, I, I hate Atlanta as a club, but I love the way Atlanta have been playing these past two mm-hmm. years. But, you know, this rumor about him getting in a fight with an anti-doping dude from UEFA, and then you see Atalanta play, you're like, why are you getting so mad to a guy from anti-doping? Dude, Atalanta are insane. At the 85th minute, they are running as if it were the first 30 seconds of the game. They put five past Bologna. And if you have to watch only one of these goals, go watch Malinovsky's goal. Oh, was that the Muriel back heel assist? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not just the back heel. It's so it's a give and go between at the edge of the box (laughs) between Malinowski and Muriel. Malinowski gives him the ball, but he has to run around a bunch of defenders. Muriel very smartly understands that he has to wait a second to give him the ball back, and he like he stops the ball with the top of his foot keeps it down like that, and then it just slides so beautifully. And Malinowski just has to to kick the ball in. Of course, after Bologna got a red card on uh, Schutten's red card, the floodgates were open. Atalanta just ruled the game. And Atalanta, with 78 goals, are second only to Bayern with 86 in the ranking of teams who have scored the most goals in their national leagues. Once again... Congratulations to Gasperini and these boys. And finally, Inter Milan, once again, with a 1-0 win. Okay, I will be honest, as an Inter fan, I will say it. It should have been 1-1 because uh, a goal for Verona was was not given by the referee. Now, upon seeing it the first time, I did believe that... How do you call it? Charge on the goalkeeper? Yeah, it's... um, Oh, what do we call it? An infraction? I can't remember. Yeah, impeding the goalkeeper, that's it. Upon seeing it the first time, I believed that that had happened. But then, man, I watched the replays, multiple replays, and Antanovic absolutely fucked it. He goes to catch it like this, right? And then did you see Bastoni in the celebration? He's like... I'm so glad. I'm so glad you saw it too. It's Bastoni. You see the three uh, center backs celebrating and Andanovic is coming their way. And Bastoni with uh, very calmly looks at him and he's like, dude, it was your ball. You should have like chomped and gotten it. And Andanovic looked at him and was like, no, it was a, a lock, a low catch. And Bastoni looks at him like, all right, you're the goalkeeper. But <laughs> yeah, once, again, yeah. once again, for a few weeks, Andanovic uh, played very well. A few Inter fans were saying that we do not need to replace a goalkeeper next season. I still believe we do. It's, that is it's, insanity. You have to get a new goalkeeper next we, season. We are trying to make it little, a tiny Champions League push, at least round of 16. We need a better goalkeeper than yeah, Andanovic. You can't, yeah, and like, look, he's been a great servant for the club. Been there what ten, twelve years, but you need a better goalkeeper. It was earlier in the season we were joking about how he can't jump sideways. Like this guy has not had a good season. The defense in front of him has been outstanding, and the defensive record has been great. But he has had some shaky moments. The guy's what thirty six, thirty seven now. I think it's time to move on from the Handanovic era, send him off with a Serie A medal and bring in Musso from Udinese or Silvestri or Silvestri yeah. from Verona. But Rory, when we're uh, in Italian, we say il tempo vola quando ci si diverte. Time flies when you're having fun. It's time Precisely. to go to the Premier League. But before the Premier League, League Cup final. Ooh, a lot of tears. <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> oh, honestly, I was... I was a full-on City fan for the day. 
I'll tell you what, it feels quite nice to support City. They're pretty good. Um, so how, what can we say about this game? They were, this was attack versus defense drills times a thousand. Um, Tottenham offered absolutely nothing. Now I get it, right? They've got a manager who's just come in. It's his second game in management. They can't go out there and just play free-flowing Barcelona-esque football. But you can at least have a bit of intent about you. I think in the first half, they got into City's half twice. And one of their shots was an Alderweireld speculative roller. Off the, most, the biggest highlight for him was diving in a tackle. Um, have I have I stopped again? Yeah, <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. God damn it! <laughs> it's fine. It's uh, fine. So, the most, the biggest moment from Kane was him diving on a tackle from uh, Laporte. I believe it was. He was all over the place. That was it. He did nothing. Right. Son, his highlight was crying after the game. Right. He. Um. I feel like I've now seen him cry more than members of my family. Every time he's on screen. It seems like he's crying. He breaks someone's leg. He cries. He loses a cup final. He cries. <laughs> I, I I know it's like an emotional thing. I'm sorry, but come on, mate. You play for Spurs and you've lost every final you've been in. When do you get used to it? I don't know. But <laughs> City were unbelievable. And if City had a striker, they would genuinely be terrifying. Like watching that game, you just realize they have... They created so many chances, but Sterling can do many things. Finishing is not one of them, right? When is Aguero scheduled to be back? Well, he was on the bench. They just didn't bring him on. Well, <laughs> then they have Then they I don't do know. I think Guardiola just doesn't want to play him. I don't know. It's strange. Mm. But they really need a striker. And when they do inevitably get Haaland this summer, they will be absolutely terrifying. But Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola now has a 93% win rate in his finals, winning 14 of 15 finals. Who is the one manager he lost to in a final, Tommy? Jose Mourinho. <laughs> it is Jose Mourinho. Who did Tottenham sack six days before a cup final? It's Jose Mourinho. It's Jose Mourinho. <laughs> yeah, what were they thinking? What God. were they thinking? We were talking about this before the show. We were like, right, I kind of get the logic of like, Okay, it's not been a good season for Spurs. They probably want to sack him. Right, we're seventh, so it's cheaper to sack him. If he wins a cup, we have to pay more to sack him. So quick, sack him before he wins a cup. <laughs> like, it's really, really weird logic. Really weird logic. Very Spurs-esque logic, uh, one might argue. But look... I can hear Spurs fans in my ear screaming, Laporte should have been sent off. Laporte should have been sent off. He shouldn't have been on the pitch to score the goal. Okay. The first booking wasn't a booking. And the second one that was a booking, arguably, if he hadn't have been booked, he doesn't make that tackle, right? So, no, he shouldn't have been He shouldn't have been sent off, right? Um, but the Tottenham fans are crying. Some was crying. It was quite... Um, it was quite funny to see like Spurs fans finally back in the stadium again to watch their <laughs> team lose a final. <laughs> it was just... 
Also, Dude, sorry, I'm going to move on because Spurs fans are going to be Nate, really angry. And, uh, okay, I'm just going to say this one thing. I I am wearing an Arsenal shirt, but it's just because Rory forgot it at my house. But of course, we're doing this pod together. I'm definitely more Arsenal than Tottenham. The thing Fucking that I right was, you are, yeah. The thing that I thought was funny was, I mean, it was beautiful to see that there were a few like City players consoling the the Spurs players on the pitch. But I I saw this clip, and at a point, like you see Foden. He goes down to console, I believe it was Son. And when he gets up, he looks at another City player and he just goes like, uh, like he makes a face like, I feel so bad for them. They play for Tottenham. Like that, that is the, he's just like, I feel so bad for them. It felt like an adult, like winning a game versus a kid, you know? Um, it was, yeah. it was very, um, there was a few conversations afterwards where you thought they're definitely saying to Harry and Son like, you need to get out of here. There was quite a funny meme of like Loris talking to Kane after the match and someone had just captioned it with Loris like, I'm all right, I've won the World Cup, but you need to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was genuinely, genuinely okay. brilliant. But, gonna put, right. Right, look, I've got this. This means no more Spurs jokes. No more Spurs. Man. No more Spurs. Um, just quickly, before we move on, one of our favourites, Phil Foden, now has as many titles as Leeds United as a club, and he's 20 years old. Um, he has now won. I'm going to get the list here. He's won... Two Premier Leagues, one FA Cup, four League Cups, and two Community Shields already in his career. Not bad. Could potentially, probably pick up one more. Potentially two more this year. Hmm. We don't know. Big year for Phil. He was also kind of running this game as well. He was incredible. But let's move to the Premier League because we are running out of time. We have... Arsenal. uh, (laughs) See, now Spurs fans, here's the bit you can listen to. Um... My God. So it all started on Friday night, Everton versus Arsenal. Now there's a cycle that Arsenal games seem to go through at the moment. So we start off and you're like, okay, we're starting well. This is good. This is good. Create some chances. Okay, we're not putting these chances away. We should really start putting these chances away. Then there's a dodgy VAR decision and we go, oh, VAR have done us again. And then our heads go. We concede a completely stupid goal. And then we spend the next 10 minutes not being able to break the opposition down. This has happened in pretty much every single home game this season, right? We have scored 19 goals in our 17 home games this season. It is horrific. We can just not score goals. It is awful. Everton offered, I'm going to say again, offered very fucking little in this game. But teams don't have to come to the Emirates. Am I with me? I'm honestly... Router's right here. Keep saying move closer to your router. I don't know what I can do, honestly. I can hear you now. It's fine. Don't worry. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck me. So, (laughs) this will all come out in the edit. You lucky people who are watching it live. Um, So... Yeah, Everton, like teams, when they come to the, the Emirates, they don't need to offer anything. They just turn up, wait for us to make a mistake. It happens... And we lose. What was the mistake this time? Richarlison tries to put a ball across the six-yard box. It is a completely... Mate, you think Handanovic's goalkeeping was bad. This is horrific. Leno's just got to catch it. And somehow it hits his leg and goes into the the goal. 1-0. That's it. And then after that, we've lost the game. There's Nothing happens. We throw on all our attackers. Nothing happens. It was infuriating. Look, I've said it before, we've got nothing to play for in the Premier League. Nothing to play for. 
But Christ alive, have a bit of pride. Um, we were awful. We were awful. We need to find some form before the Europa League. Next up, we play Villarreal, Emery, back at the Emirates. I'm pretty scared. But if we've been turning up at anything, it's been in the Europa League this year. So I think we are putting all our focus there. But it was a really, really, really disappointing performance. And I was very angry on a Friday night. Not how you want to spend a Friday night. But on the same hand, it was quite nice to get the Arsenal shit out of the way and I could enjoy the rest of my weekend without worrying about it. But from there, we're going to leave my depression. Um, So we did technically talk about Spurs' depression longer than mine. We're going to move on to Saturday where Liverpool drew 1-1 with Newcastle. Chris, what is going on? Are you guys actually not going to make it, not even to Europe next year? Chris, I want an answer now. Go, Rory. Now, talk about not converting chances. Liverpool have had, now I'm going to get this number right, I think it's 146 shots at Anfield in 2021. How many goals have they scored, Tommy? 12. Four. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is, it is insane how they cannot put chances away. And honestly, I was watching the game and me and Chris were messaging the entire way and he was going, they were 1-0 up and they should have been about 7-0 up. Mane should have added like 2 or 3. Salah's goal was a beauty, to be fair, three minutes in, but... Can I say one thing? Can I say one thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Brighton and Hove Albion fans, you're listening, I know that you've been struggling with XG... If Liverpool is struggling, I know that you're struggling with XG. There is one man that Brighton cannot afford, but Liverpool can. He sucks as a person, but he's got three touches in the game, and two of those are goals. He's set to leave PSG. His name is Mauro Icardi. Bring him in. All those chances are going to be goals. I can guarantee that as an Inter fan. I didn't like the way Inter played with Icardi. Always cross in goal, yeah, but yeah. he was effective big time. I like that shout. Nobody's really looking at Icardi. I've never really thought about because that. He sucks, dude. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's just so much. His wife is so annoying. Yeah, he brings so much shit to your club, right? But yeah, Liverpool the whole way through. We were watching the game and we we're thinking this is going to be one one. It's going to be one one. The eighty eighth minute, I think it is. Callum Wilson threw on goal. Kicks the, go- kicks the ball at the goalkeeper. It bounces off the goalkeeper. And Callum Wilson dares to have an arm. So the ball bounces back at him, hits his arm. He then runs through and taps it into the goal. Ruled out for offside, right? There is nothing that Callum Wilson can do about this handball, right? His arm is here as he's running, right? It's just a ridiculous decision. They rule out the goal. Newcastle players are going mad. Steve Bruce is losing his shit. But it doesn't matter. Two minutes later, Joe Willock from Arsenal, who's come on to, who's come on the pitch for the third game in a row, comes off the bench and scores the equaliser. Beautiful finish to make it one all. Joe Willock has now scored seven goals. That is the same amount as the rest of Arsenal's midfield combined, and we've loaned him out. <laughs> oh, God. I, right? I actually, one thing, if you have one skill, Rory, is at getting different stats and, like, weaving them all together. I don't know. It's just well, There's a few more of them to come. Don't worry. There's always <laughs> an Arsenal perspective on it. Always. So, Joe Willock is absolutely loving it up in Newcastle. It's great to see him there. And Newcastle suddenly, they were looking in trouble, but I think now they kind of, I think they've done enough 
to mean that they should be in the league. They've got the mighty Arsenal next at the Emirates, so Newcastle will probably win it. But they are currently on 36 points with Fulham on 27, so they're a full nine points above the drop zone now. I think Newcastle will be in the league for another year. Liverpool, what can they do? Fabinho was moved back into defence because Nat Phillips was injured. You just can't get any type of continue, any type of consistency together. Jurgen Klopp looked genuinely exasperated at the end of the game, just like oh, I don't know what I can do. I don't know what's happening. Like Andy Robertson in the post match conference, he fair play to him said it's an outrage that Callum Wilson's goal was disallowed, but he looked exasperated too. Um, yeah, so Liverpool looked like they could have done their top four chances no favours as they are now one point behind West Ham in fifth and four points behind Chelsea in fourth so Chelsea and West Ham played each you're good you can go oh my god I'm about to flip this table man I swear right (laughs) (sighs) Chelsea and West Ham the, Chelsea the, and West Ham played each other. Can you hear me? Yeah, no, no, no. I, w- I just want to say that I loved the really. I did watch the highlights to these games, which is ending capital in our notes. We've got capital letters. Werner scores and then in small font, but then misses a sitter. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, he was right. So the goal was really nicely worked. He started the move. Played it out wide, ball across back across the box, taps it in. It was a really nice goal. But then about five minutes later, may, no, maybe it was the second half. I can't quite remember. But he misses like an open goal, and Tuchel's reaction is incredible. On the sideline, he just goes and he just turns around and walks off. It was amazing. Even he is looking, going, "Oh my god, what can I do with this guy?" He has all the attributes to be a great player, Werner. He's quick. He's got like he can hit the ball like no one else. His heading is actually pretty good. He's physically strong. He just can't get that run of goals. I feel like next season maybe he's going to be absolutely unstoppable, but this season it is not for him. But West Ham didn't really offer that much. Their injuries really are putting like really showing the signs now. The fact that they've not got Rice and Antonio is really starting to pay, really starting to look like a big miss. And ultimately, Chelsea won one 0 But the big talking point again was all VAR related, as Balbuena was sent off for kicking a ball. So he goes to clear. Have you seen this yet, Tommy? No, I have not seen this. So he's. He's facing his own goal. He's got the ball. He turns around to clear it upfield, right? He swings his leg like you do when you kick a ball. And as his foot comes back down, it happens to catch Chilwell's calf, right? He's not looking at Chilwell. He doesn't know Chilwell's there. But it is a stamp, right? As in his studs land on the calf, right? But it is in no way a foul. They look in VAR and the referee just gives him a straight red card. Off you go. Ridiculous decision. Completely killed the game just as West Ham was starting to maybe get into the game. And yeah, so Chelsea got the 1-0 win and they are now, as I said, one, no, three points, of course, ahead of West Ham in fourth place. Maybe we have the top four as it stands now. I think these could be the four teams to get into the Champions League next year. Hello, Chris. Hello, from the Peak District. We've got another Chris. Two Chrises. 
Hi, from Chris. the Peak District. Peak District. Thanks for joining us. We are right at the end of the show, but you're catching the best bit. So R- here Ryan, we round <laughs> up the Premier League very quickly before we jump very quickly to the Europa League and the Champions League. Okay, elsewhere, Burnley beat Wolves 4-0 at Molyneux. What the hell has happened to Wolves this year? What has happened? Obviously, missing Jimenez has been a massive miss. Jota going to Liverpool. Moutinho has been out for a while. But my God, they are having a terrible season, apart from when they play Arsenal, who they, of course, beat twice. Um, Wolves are now 12th on 41 points. Two wins in the last five. Not looking great. But Burnley, Chris Wood got his first ever Premier League hat-trick. Beautiful to see. Beautiful to see. And finally, the final game in the Premier League we're going to look at is... Aston Villa 2 against West Brom. And here is your Arsenal connection. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. We loaned him out to play in their midfield and he has been very bloody good since joining them. Maybe we should listen to him and play him in midfield. Who knows? Maybe it'll work. He's been great. But West Brom looked like they might just have confirmed their relegation. They were 2-1 up away to their local rivals, Aston Villa, before in their final, final minute... Keenan Davies, Aston Villa youth product, scored for the first time in 28 appearances. He is really, really highly rated within the club. They've been desperate for him to score. So him getting a last-minute equaliser in the local derby, the Villa players went mad. It was great to see, but unfortunately for West Brom, it looks like maybe this job is a bit too big for Big Sam. They are now nine points inside the relegation zone on 25 with Brighton just outside on 34. So it looks like Big Sam will maybe get his first relegation in the Premier League. And as we are speaking, Joaquin Correa. Oh, again. Again. Against AC Milan. Do you remember AC Milan? Dude, AC Milan are that team. Do you remember they were black and red? And they won the league in December. Dude, crazy stat. If AC Milan don't make it to the Champions League, they will be the first ever team to be winter champions and not make it in the top four. Please make it happen. Please make it happen. That's a record no one wants. And before we move on to the Champions League and we quickly wrap up the show, Chris Handley, if you're in a campsite in the PAC district, what you have to do is go knock at the other tents and whisper, hey, do you know the Anglo-Italian pod? Go listen to them. This is what you need to do. Just knock at every tent and tell everybody to listen to us. Not right now, but in general. If you get arrested, do not say it was our idea. No, especially not mine. Just say it was Rory's in case. But Rory, this week is a Champions League action. Once again, we've got our long-awaited semifinals. On... Tuesday, tomorrow night, we've got Real Madrid-Chelsea. Now, let's look at these two teams in their last five games in all competitions. Real Madrid have picked up two wins and three draws, all of which were nil-nil draws. They've scored five goals and they've conceded one. On the other hand, Chelsea have lost one game, drawn another one, but one Three. They have scored six goals and conceded two. They are two very solid defenses because Real Madrid has conceded 24 goals in all season in their National League and Chelsea have conceded only 31. And Sergio Ramos is expected to return. Rory, 
what score do you predict? I'm going to say 2-0 Real Madrid. 2-0 Real Madrid. Werner misses two sitters. (laughs) I'm going to say 1-1. We shall see. PSG Manchester City is the other semi-final that is going to be played on Wednesday. In their last five games in all competitions, PSG have uh, have won five, uh, f- sorry, four and lost one, scoring a grand total of fifteen goals and conceding five. Manchester City, on the other hand, they have they have won three, lost two. They have scored six goals and conceded five. Mbappé, thigh injury at the moment, but is scheduled to play, apparently. Rory, prediction? Um, I'm going to say, I think I backed PSG last time, so I'm going to stick with my PSG prediction, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be 2-2. So my call is 1-1 Real Madrid-Chelsea and 2-2 PSG Man. City. We shall see, but it's also Europa League action this week, Rory. What have we got in our hands besides the mighty Arsenal? Besides the mighty Arsenal, let's start with Manchester United against Roma. Now, this is going to be an interesting one. As we've said, Roma are incredibly hard to predict. I was reading an interview with with Fonseca where he said, people say we have one of the best attacks in the league, but against Ajax, we proved that we can be defensively solid and we can see out a game and we have that in our locker. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but (laughs) it seemed to work against Ajax. So we have Manchester United against Roma at Old Trafford. Um, The last time these teams met each other was in 2008 with, it was a 1-0 win with Tevez getting the winner and players you might forget who played for a team PK was in that Manchester United side. I did Crazy, remember that. Crazy, right? Um, so that was the last time these two teams played. Of course, we all remember the 7-1 or whatever it was at Old Trafford. Um, but Manchester United have a very good record against Roma. I think Manchester United, obviously, in the semis, they kind of comfortably got past Granada 4-0 on aggregate. Roma not so comfortable against Ajax 3-2 on aggregate. But I think... Look, every part of me is terrified about Manchester United in the final. Every single fibre of my body. After this shit show of the season, the last thing that I can take mentally is losing to Manchester United in the Europa League final. It might just push me over the edge. You have to get there first, Rory. Speaking of which, we (laughs) are against Villarreal. Uh, Mr. Emery is going to be back at the Emirates. Back in his old stomping ground. Now, we all know Emery's record in the Europa League is actually fucking incredible. Uh, He's obviously won it three times with Sevilla, three years in a row. Got to the final with Arsenal, where he absolutely screwed it up. And has now got Villarreal to the semis. So we know that he knows this competition. Villarreal are a very dangerous team. Moreno, for them, has been incredible this season. I'm actually terrified about how our fullbacks are going to deal with him if they do at all, especially as Tierney is probably not going to be fit. So it's going to be Xhaka at left-back. Now, Xhaka isn't doing actually a bad job at left-back, but he's not a left-back. The last time these two teams played was in the Champions League in 2009. And Robin Van Persie 
Adebayor and Theo Walcott scored. So a long time ago, much different fortunes. That was in the quarterfinal of the Champions League. It feels like a different lifetime. But we shall see. I'm gonna back. I'm gonna back Arsenal because I'm um you have to have hope. I'm gonna back Arsenal and I'm gonna say United will probably beat Roma fairly comfortably. Here we go. Oh, it's gonna be a United Arsenal final. I would United. honestly rather lose in the semi-final than lose in the final to United. Honestly, yeah. I'd rather just go out against Villarreal. By the way, if you're if you're probably thinking, didn't Tommaso say that Roma would win the Europa League? I'm the same guy who said that Inter Milan would win the Champions League. So yeah, I'm gonna take this first year, <laughs> this first year of podcast recording as a teaching for the future, and I can guarantee you that starting from September, I'm going to be way more cautious with my predictions. So if you want some more crazy predictions, this is the season, not the next one. But um, that is it, Rory. A lot to talk about. Time flies when you're having fun. We've got a pretty exciting week of European football. Uh, I'm very excited, especially for PSG Man City, the petrol dollar derby, the Super League within the Champions League, almost. But um, um, anything to say to our followers, Rory? Um, I apologize for my internet connection, and I will see you on Friday. And I apologize for my English, and I will also see you on Friday. It's been fun to have you here. A shout-out goes to our friend Steve Cole, whom, for the first time since we started doing Twitch Live, has always been here. He couldn't make it tonight. It simply wasn't the same. Steve, will be back next week. You'll be back next week. We've missed you, buddy. And uh, we'll talk to you on Friday with another episode of the Anglo-Italian Pod. Podcast Network.